welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we teach you all about trends and how to use them to grow your business. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. And we are Spark Partners. To learn how you can grow your business using trends, go to our website at sparkpartners.com. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, or if you're brand new, uh, you'll understand that we talk a lot about trends. And one of the four major trends that's happening in the world today that we're in the middle of is AI. And today we have a special guest who is a, an expert in uh, this domain, and we want to understand a little bit from his perspective of where things are going. His name is Dr. Taleb Alashkar. He is CTO and co-founder of AlgoFace, that is an AI and computer vision uh, company. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mandy. Um, uh, it's my honor to be your guest today. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your background. What, what led you to go into AI as a career? Okay. I think the story started when I was a teenager. I was extremely excited about computer coding, programming, and the potential of uh, the ability to create something innovative and creative using just some line of code. Uh, the idea of like start with a plain page and start writing certain code, then having some software that is working and doing uh, stuff and executing algorithms. That idea, like when I was 13, 14 years old, I was extremely like exciting and inspiring. So I decided to go in this direction in computer vision and machine learning to enable any computer or phone or machine to understand what they are seeing and capturing by the camera for any application. Then I did my PhD thesis in face recognition, emotion detection, pain estimation, and it was extremely uh, telling and exciting how much information we can know from human face. It, it goes far away beyond your identity, like, okay, this face is in. Uh, we can tell your age, your gender, your ethnicity. We can tell, uh, like, maybe your cognitive, if you are stressed, your emotional status, if you are happy, if you are concentrated, if you are distracted, if you are nervous. Uh, even we can now detect a lot of your vitals from your phone camera. We can detect your heart rate and, and uh, the blood pressure and oxygen saturation rate. All of that really can be captured in high accuracy just from your face. Uh, that's, that's it can go deeper and deeper. Uh, so that's why when I moved to US, I continue my research in face soft biometrics, in augmented reality for human face. Uh, and when I decided to create my own business, uh, I came up with the idea of AlgoFace. AlgoFace is stands for algorithm for a human face. So, and you can see it as a platform that can enable other business from early stage startup to corporate. And this is literally, we have some early stage startup as customer and we have corporate, like Fortune 100 corporate company as customer. They are using our technologies that we have developed to enable 
their solution, their software, their machine to see and understand the human face. Wow, that's that's fascinating. And uh, you know, it's remember the days of Star Trek and or Star Wars and all these, you know, 25, yeah. 30 years ago, and all these things are coming to to fruition. Um, one of the interesting things about your technology, uh, and I'll have you explain it to you in a second, and then I'll, I'll ask Adam to, to come in and some, with some questions, is with Spark Partners, we talk a, little, a lot about uh, trends, but we say that when you are able actually to bring several trends together, then you get a higher chance of success. You can, you know, you can do a lot more things when you're more than one trend. Yeah. Now, because I, I know a little bit about your, your technology company, you have something different. You're doing something different than just the run-of-the-mill facial recognition uh, companies. What are you doing that's different? And then after that, I'm going to come back with the trend, and, then, and, and I want to have uh, Adam come in after that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, let me, uh, before I talk, let me like, distinguish uh, between face recognition that people... People call face recognition about any application that uses human face. Uh, but technically, what we are doing in AlgoFace is face analysis. Uh, we have some, like, we have some viewpoint that we want to develop a technology to analyze the human face without stripping the human rights. So we keep ourselves away uh, from any face recognition or face verification technology because it can be misused and it's already been misused in many, many scenarios. So just uh, at the very beginning, AlgoFace doesn't or and will not go and enable any face recognition or face verification technology for any company or private or public sector because we believe this technology has a lot of applications and it can be misused to control people and suppress people easily. But what we are doing in AlgoFace is somehow different. We believe uh, we can, what we can get from your face is extremely valuable, a part of your identity. We need to keep your identity for yourself, but we, need, we, we are first of all developing some platforms that works and enable other software. Our very first product was face tracking technology and facial motion capturing. We have developed extremely accurate, light, dense facial landmark tracking system that can map your face and capture every subtle facial movement from your face. And we package this in extremely light, agile, and swift way so it can run inside your browser it can run inside your phone. So when it, whenever we like license this technology for other company that, for example, they are using it for driver monitoring system, they may use it for emotion recognition, they may use it for augmented reality for a human face. They, what they do, like we enable them to analyze your face and get valuable information that doesn't include your identity, number one. So we protect your privacy. Number two, we do everything on the edge. What I mean by on the edge for inside your phone, inside your browser, we don't stream your face scan or face image to any server on the world, in the world. 
So everything will stay inside your phone, inside your browser. And we, what we are interested in to capture facial movement and other uh, soft biometrics that can enable valuable software. For example, software for driver monitoring system to, to alert the driver who are sleepy or drowsy that can save their lives. Uh, maybe some telehealth application, we can enable them to capture your heart rate or blood pressure or respiration rate that can have massive impact on people, especially with COVID. You can save a lot of visits to hospitals. And other applications that we enable is augmented reality for a human face, for entertainment, for face animation, avatars, or e-commerce as well. Wow. Adam, you want to jump in? I know you've got some questions. So when you were preparing to start your company, what did you think was the un unmet need in the marketplace? Unmet or poorly met need that you would come in and, and you would improve the, the, that customer's life? Yeah, actually, like uh, three main pillars that I have when I envision why the market need my company, why I need to create a new solution that doesn't exist, or maybe one part of it exists and not the other two parts. We focus to develop platform for human face analysis that uh, stands for three main technical values. Number one, accuracy, how we can have extremely accurate face analysis technology. Number two, privacy, how we can protect your privacy. Uh, uh, unlike all those giant companies or big tech company that they are hungry for data, they want to stream your face to their server and keep them and save them like social media tech or search engines or big tech, all of them, they keep millions of images on their server. Number one, no, everything should be done inside your phone, inside your browser. And this is very big technical challenges, not something easy to do. And number three is the bias that I see in a lot of AI solution. Just recently, uh, after like last week, it was nationwide news that Facebook uh, video recommendation uh, system like labeled uh, like black people uh, video and they recommended it as, or labeled it as uh, like video of primates. That's horrible. You don't need to do that, right? So, because their face analysis system or recognition system is not, is not an inclusive, they are training or building their AI for human face, even though big tech company, not, maybe not intentionally, it is like just some bias in design, uh, it works well on white people only. And the same story happened with uh, like Asian company their AI for face works very well only for Asian people. So uh, our main focus on developing face analysis that sees all human face, whatever skin color you have, face shape, even skin condition. So trying to solve this bias and protect privacy and have something extremely accurate that's something that I, uh, we found that it is really missing in the market. So I'm hearing you very clearly state the functionality of your product solution. Uh, you know, you're able to uh, 
glean additional information from facial recognition. Um, you talked about several features that include, uh, you can look at all nationalities, uh, the data is held uh, in a, in, within the uh, device rather than being disseminated across the web. Um, there's some safety to that. And that, that leads, the, those features lead to benefits, which are it's more secure, uh, it doesn't um, offer opportunities for um, the facial recognition problems that we've seen with Apple and some other uh, products. So we've got functions, features, and benefits. But what I'm really struggling with here is I'm trying to understand, you know, what's the need? Um, to some extent, it sounds like you're describing an application that you've built that's now in search of a, of a problem to solve. Yeah. So the need, like, there's no more house application for this platform. Like, like, what we are developing is not comprehensive solution that is interesting for end user, uh, particularly. But there's a lot of company that they have some ideas and they need enablers. They need somebody who crack it, very complex part of it. So they want to take it as fundamental technology and start to build on the top of it their own solution. Uh, think about driver monitoring system, okay? Uh, if automotive company want to develop what we have, we have spent years of R&D and data collection, and data labeling, and uh, algorithm design, algorithm optimization. So many companies they don't want really to spend two to three years on this. If there's a company who already cracked and solved this part, they'll be happy to partner with and start from where we ended and complete and build on the top of it their own complete solution. I think one of the things that we try to work with with entrepreneurs quite a bit at Spark Partners is helping them understand how to bridge over into the need analysis and fulfilling the need. Um, a lot of times we have technology that's good and it's helpful, but the technologies that we see really make a big difference, the ones that become more successful are ones that actually solve a need. So we could say, uh, what I'm trying to get toward is, are you helping uh, cars be more safe? Uh, yeah. So for example, so your goal is safety. And so the unmet need is, is safety. Um, so that would be one, one way to think about an unmet need. Another way could be um, identifying um, uh, identifying illnesses in healthcare. That's somebody has a series of uh, of criteria related to I, data you could pick up, and you could say, oh, if a person has a heart condition, we can start to see these uh, things in our our intelligence would let us know that they're at the uh, at risk of a heart attack or at risk of an of an incident of some kind. So what we're trying to do is, I think, get really down to that need to try to say this this is actually a you know meeting an unmet need. Um, yeah. As opposed to saying, oh, we have a great component that could go into a lot of solutions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, certainly, this is more business perspective, and I can talk a little bit about that. So, the need that we are fulfilling or satisfying sometimes is different from one vector to another vector. For example, uh, in automotive, as you said, you mentioned, we need a uh, more secure and safer car uh, for a driver, especially for like working the driver, like fleet management company who have trucks that those drivers of the truck, they are working for very, very long hours and that can get into 
like accident because of tiredness or drowsiness. So we are making automotive uh, more safer for driver. Number one, number two. Now, like we are making cars more fun by like. Now you are not only interested in monitoring a driver. The projection or like the future is. I need to monitor the passenger as well and know the interaction between passenger and driver, and maybe the car can adjust in many ways according to the situation inside the vehicle. So we are making the car safer and more fun. Uh, in telehealth, we are we are saving huge uh, cost of eliminating a lot of not very needed visit to uh, like medical institute, hospitals or offices. So from telehealth, if, you, if we can get log a lot of data from, from your face in high accuracy, that can, number one, cut a lot of cost for insurance company, for medical institute, and for the patient themselves that they don't have very good insurance. Uh, number one. Number two, we can connect the best talented physician with the people who are in remote sites or satellite areas, so they are not very close to big cities where the best medical center there. If we can connect them using tele advanced telehealth solutions. Uh, for uh, entertainment industry, we are enabling the uh, high accuracy and more realistic avatar creation and face animation inside the video games to create more connection between like the gamer and the game. If, if they can see their face and facial motion reflected inside the game in real time. Yeah, I think what, uh, and that's all very fascinating. Um, if you think about value when, it pers when you're a platform, it's sometimes really hard to separate the value, the total value versus the value in each of these little markets, right? You just mentioned automobile, you know, two or three values there. You mentioned, uh, you know, gaming. And so one of the things that's going to be really important for your growth is taking a step back from that and understanding the value that you provide to all of those in a unified manner. So yeah. think about a battery. Right, a little battery. What's the value? That's a platform, right? A battery? Yeah. Yeah. And so if we, in the same way, you can say, well, a battery is powering my phone, so I enable communications. And a battery is powering my lamp over here, and that enables light. And so, and then a battery does this. A battery's, so now we're starting to get, it doesn't make sense what they do, but if you take a step back and you say, you know, we empower the world around you. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. So let's, you, you mentioned three markets so far, and I think there's probably more that we could explore. We've talked about an automotive applications, we've talked about healthcare applications, and you just brought up gaming applications. How are you going about deciding where to focus your research, where to focus your sales efforts, where to focus your product development energies when these, you have markets that are this large with so many possible applications within each one? Yeah, exactly. Uh, as Manny mentioned, like the platform itself, it has their own advantages, like privacy, like uh, working on the edge, uh, inclusivity, like it can see every face, 
and accuracy. So whenever you start satisfy those needs, that's a core value. How will you decide to go from market to another? Usually, uh, we started by some uh, some vertical in e-commerce and building a certain solution for beauty industry. Uh, and also we are licensing those platforms for, as it is for multiple, uh, uh, multiple verticals or industry. But as you mentioned as well, every industry, they need their own customization, their aid or their own needs. One side doesn't fit all, we understand. So how we decide the vertical that we don't, actually, basically we listen to the market. We listen to the impact, like, 90% of our paying client now are inbound requests, not outbound. People are really finding us themselves, including very big tech company, and reaching out to us without really making efforts to reach out to them. So we listen to those potential customers, those some customers decide, guys, you have like amazing technology here, but I need some customization. Can we partner on this? There's big pocket here. Let us partner. Let us customize for this vertical. And then we'll go. Then we make some like strategic decision inside the company in say level if we want to go after this market now or not. Uh, sometimes it is interesting, but not the right time. Sometimes related to funding and capacity of how much funding and where we want to allocate the funding to which market. Uh, now, but certainly there's many, many market that really we can go after. And we don't, you don't need this huge stretch, but you need to go strategically from one market to another. But to, are, to are answer, you, are, to you answer money, are you raising money from say uh, venture capital or private equity, or are you trying to raise money through your customer partnerships? Uh, actually, like it is mixed strategy. We have some angel investors like Connections, and we have uh, the, uh, corporate venture capital. Uh, this big corporate company. Now we prefer to work with corporate uh, venture capital rather than uh, traditional VCs. Uh, we find that working with them is uh, more meaningful and fruitful because they don't only give you the money; they give you the money and the market and the expertise. And also, they push you so hard in certain direction where there's really big need. So mostly, like we focus our fundraising to venture capital right now. Uh, 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 sorry, uh, to corporate venture uh, arm. When it comes to the availability of cash for venture investment, the, uh, the the state that leads the way is obviously California. Close second is New York, followed by Massachusetts and Texas. Um, <clears throat> I believe you said at the beginning of the of the presentation today that you were in Michigan, um, and I'm curious uh, why you are in Michigan as opposed to some of these other hotbeds where the funding is more uh, easily accessible, readily available. Yeah, actually, I live in Michigan uh, since five years uh, almost. Uh, even before I started Algophase, uh, I moved here. I was working for automotive company for like around a year. Then I started Algoface. Algoface was incubated originally in mother company called Algo uh, for two years, two years and a half. Algo basically works on logistics and supply chain and incubated Algoface. And Algoface spun off as its own legal entity just last March, uh, March 2021. Uh, 
Uh, and now the company officially registered in Arizona in Carefree, where we have most of our business team, uh, our CEO, Andrew Bard, and our CFO, Scott Denny, our CMO, Jeffrey. So most of our business now are in Arizona. Arizona and Phoenix now becoming really big, uh, like hub for uh, high tech. And they are the, the, the state there in Arizona doing amazing job in and like creating very nice environment uh, for startup and technology. So most of the business team there, I'm still here. They are trying hard to move me there to Arizona. Well, it's uh, the weather is going to be a lot different than Michigan. I'll tell you that. And uh, yeah. I think uh, I think you'd probably like it. And I think what we're talking about is uh, you know the 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 world of AI is is fascinating, and there's all kinds of of angles and things that are, that are happening right now. Can you give us a perspective of things that are around the corner on the horizon that, that maybe the, the, the lay person may not know about? Like what's going to, what, what's the world going to look like in three to five years as it was, as it, it pertains to AI? Well, let's be specific. Let's, let's go down to the machine vision uh, technology yeah. you work with. Yeah, like, okay, if I want to narrow down in human-related, uh, we, uh, we will see face recognition and face matching technology everywhere. So, and unfortunately, it is, as always, the legal infrastructure, like, lagging behind five to seven years behind the technology. Uh, now we are starting catching up. Uh, we will see a lot of new regulation about uh, who can do what with your face image. Uh, now we started to see that in California Privacy Act, and uh, which is quite strict. Uh, so, and also all big tech company will find themselves struggling to find real images, like from where they can get human face to fuel to their AI, because now everybody is downloading images from the web and using them, that will not be legal very soon in many states and in most of like North America and Europe at least. So we will find ourselves like, this is some, a lot of legal patterns. Uh, and that will lead to Chinese or Asian uh, face recognition company will be stronger than US-based or European face recognition company. And this is a dilemma that we need to solve because they don't have all this regulation. You can download data from anywhere and use it. And most of face recognition company in China are sponsored and funded by the government. So, and they are, you know, they have this system that will permit fund face recognition company, this face recognition company download the whole world data and nobody go, can go after them. And then they start to license this face recognition capability to like the government again, to monitor people and a lot of, and, and the world. So we need to find a way, like ethical way, how we can stand up to this challenge in face recognition. Maybe synthetic data generation, how we can, uh, create artificial faces can maybe be part of this problem. This is one trend. Another one, it will be deep fake. How can 
I can get the photo of your face and put it on any video. I can simulate your face, your voice, and put it in any context. And 99.99%, including your family, may not recognize that's not you who is saying that or doing that. Uh, also, this is a very big threat. It is exciting technology to be able to simulate data and faces and videos. There's huge good use cases, but also it's scary somehow that I can create such like content, multimedia content about anybody in extremely realistic way, making them saying anything or doing anything. So this is another big threat that, uh, and even in Congress, there's task force for the Fake Act to, to prepare a strategy to address this challenge. And the third thing is the virtual human, the digital twin of you. Like, if you look, many companies now working so hard, how I can create digital queen of everybody, somebody like virtual copy of your face, your voice, the way you are talking, the way you are texting, and you can put it inside games, you can put it on social media, you can, now there's a huge market for digital influencer on YouTube. There are some digital avatars or character, they have millions of followers and making millions of dollars on online from social media. Well, wow, that's fascinating. Yep, I appreciate you being on the uh, program and uh, giving us some insight. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you very much for your time, Talib, and uh, looking forward to seeing what, uh, what happens next with your company. And uh, for those people that are interested in learning more about how to grow their business and looking at things like AI and other uh, trends, uh, please go to our website, sparkpartners.com, and take a look at our course called Think Innovation. And we'll be releasing other courses down the road as well. Uh, with that, have a, a wonderful afternoon, and we'll be talking to you soon. Cheers. Thank you very much, man. My pleasure. All right. I thought that was pretty interesting talking to Taylor. Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah, I think it was good to see some of the challenges that are presented to the the whole AI space as it pertains to things like privacy, things like scalability, and uh, certainly he's got some things to, to work out as far as his value. Yeah. So, and it was pretty clear talking to Taylor that he's a technical guy. Um, he's not the CEO of the company. He's not head of marketing or business development for the company. But I think it's worthwhile we do a recap on this one because he pointed out what we frequently show as being the biggest weakness of an entrepreneur. He clearly has a solution in search of a problem. Um, that doesn't mean there aren't a lot of problems, but he didn't develop the solution to meet an unmet need. He developed the solution. You know, they went out there and said, hey, we could do machine vision in a better way. Um, I've been working in machine vision for 40 years. When I was at the DuPont company, I did a lot of work with machine vision. Uh, so it's been around for a long time. There are a lot of applications for machine vision. And the, the point is, is that rarely are those machine vision successful, those solutions successful, unless they're initially developed for a specific application. So you could be using it in printing. You could be using it in healthcare. You could be using it um, in, in defense. And, and then that can be very successful. For example, heads-up displays have been very successful in the defense industry and in aerospace, but they were specifically developed for that application. Efforts that right. developed them for automobiles failed because they were too costly and, the, and couldn't get anybody to buy into it. He's talking about three huge markets here, automotive, healthcare, and gaming. They are huge, they are growing, but you know, realistically, 
Who's his customer? Who's he trying to sell to? If he's trying to improve safety, is he selling to General Motors? Is he selling to Tesla? Is he selling to insurance companies? Is he trying to convince regulators this is a good thing to put into cars? There's really no, no definition here of a customer. He's just talking about, well, okay, there's you know, some things we could do better, and we've got great functions, great features, and we can deliver benefits. But when you sit down and say, well, is that need? Is that a, a prevalent need that you can solve? Can you fill an unfilled need? No, I mean, we, we didn't hear that. There are unmet needs, right? But you know, if you're going to go into healthcare and you're saying, "Well, I can have a camera that could read somebody's face and it could yeah. send diagnostic information to a physician or, or a family practitioner or somebody," then you need to say that, right? You know, we can help you be better with with you're something. Right. Remember the woman we had who was in the diabetes insulin business, right? Very, yeah. very clear. There's an unmet need around people diabetics and their need for insulin, and she was very clear about where she was going with that. And again, just fuzzy answers about what they might want to do. And so the, my prediction is that uh, this company will probably never succeed. It'll, it's out trying to raise money. It'll probably struggle to raise money because it doesn't have a clear focus on what it's trying to accomplish in a value proposition. It'll, it'll probably bounce around with big customers, hoping one of those customers will say, oh, yeah, this sounds great, and I'll give you some money. That's a tough road to go. And if you do, you end up having to give them all your technology and very, you know, if you get out of it at all, you, you're lucky if they buy you out. I mean, it's one of these examples of a technology in search of an answer. And, um, and it's unfortunate. And I, I think it's very important that our listeners understand that um, as interesting as he is and as deep as he understands the marketplace, uh, I'm sorry, as deep as he understands the technology, it's a lack of understanding of the marketplace, a lack of understanding of the needs, a lack of understanding of how he's going to resolve a trend that is really going to get in the way of the opportunity to succeed. Yeah, and I think some of that is uh, when you're a platform, it's it's seemingly a lot more difficult to find that that uh, quote-unquote solution because everything is a solution or everything. Everybody needs a solution. You know, Everybody can use this, and, and so – that's a problem with uh, the entrepreneurial mindset sometimes is they, they see this, this pot of gold and they say, wow, everybody can use this. But the fact of the matter is unless somebody uses it, no one's going to use it. Unless you can provide it to somebody that really, really needs it, it's going to go nowhere. It reminds me of a story I was told by uh, a guy named Steve Blank, who is a, a Stanford guy. Uh, he created the, a lot of the foundational startup things like uh, the – Business model canvas was not part of his thing, but he used it, other things like that. And he talked about a, a company that had built a desalination technology, and it was on the back of uh, three big old semis, so it was mobile. So you could run up to uh, the city of San Diego, you can put a big old pipe in the ocean, and then you can suck out all the, the, the water and put the salt in, in one bu- uh, bucket and the water in another and uh, it, was, it worked well. It, everything kind of, it checked all the boxes. And they were wondering why they couldn't get any business. And they were out there talking to people and the need, the quote unquote need was there, but there wasn't a strong enough need. Right. And there wasn't, and their, their Achilles heel was that uh, municipalities would take years to make a decision of that nature. So right. they went back to the drawing board and they said, okay, who really, really needs this? And they can vast the marketplace and they ended up landing on the fracking folks. The fracking folks, when they do the fracking operation, one of the, the uh, issues is they produce all this brackish water. Yep. So it's like 
water with stuff in it. It's just gross. And they're having to pump it out, put it into a semi, ship it sometimes a couple hundred miles to get processed. And so super clear value. Once they figured that out, it was a match made in, in heaven. Yep. Because there was there was a need, someone with a burning need, you know, and they made it all happen. That's that's how it happened. And that's a big lesson that I think we should our listeners should take away. Understand the need you're trying to solve and then build a solution. Otherwise, you can just spend an awful lot of energy building a solution and then even more energy trying to be successful. And you'll fail where the person who starts with the need may have a solution that's half as good as yours. But if it's targeted at the need, it'll more likely get sold and developed and move forward. Very good insights, Adam. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, any final thoughts on the podcast? No, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to listen to it. And you know, we'll, we'll have to dig into this AI uh, opportunity some more going forward. A lot of people are confused about it, but I think let's find some more people to interview. We'll help people see the opportunities. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, Adam. See you later. Thank you.